1: Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a AM member FDIC. Oilers Now
2: with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio. 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Managed print services to keep your printing costs down? Yeah, Digitex does that. D-I-G-I-T-E-X C-A. On Oilers Radio,
0: 630 Chet. You gotta love uh, the responses from people out there on the Ashley Fine Floors text line. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 at Edmonton. Bob Stauffer, Brandon Escott with you. We open up with m Lose yourself. And, uh, like, here's an example. Colin has texted the show to say, hey, I'm 61, and I love that song. Laugh out loud. We had uh, Farmer Kevin, not a fan. He's like, what is that crap? Which reminds me of uh, So I Married an Axe Murder uh, with uh, Mike Myers. Wasn't the line in that, if you're not Scottish, it's crap, or something like that made me chuckle. But there was at least four or five very opinionated texts either way with the song selection to open today's show. Love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Well, he's a guy that was a big uh, Eminem fan back in the day, uh, or was it mma anyhow i digress sportsnet color analyst louis de rusk is our orders now headliner today for wilhock beef jerky it just might be the best you've ever tasted search for wilhock w-i-l-h-a-u-k today by the way brendan Ulrich, you need to give me a call if you're listening the old brendan that used to produce the show that is now entails from sales uh helping out at course I, I need to hook somebody up uh with uh wilhock so w-i-l-h-a-u-k today uh Without further ado, we are uh, pleased to be joined by uh, Louis DeBros. Louis, are you a fan of Eminem?
2: I am a fan of Eminem. You know what? And uh, I do like that song. It's a pretty good pump-up song. Uh, no yeah. question about that. But I was chuckling actually when he talked about I married an expert. And all I could think about was uh, the son with the really big head, and he would always yell at him. He you know, <laughs> Mike Myers is hilarious. <laughs> I got to tell you, the first um, the characters <laughs> that he's played over the years just. Uh, are pretty funny, obviously some iconic ones. But uh, yeah, that was a good movie. It's actually one of those really underrated movies that was really funny.
0: Totally agree. Did he he compare his heed to Sputnik? Was that the line?
2: (laughs) Yeah, something like that. And also, by the way, um, our producer tonight... Paul Griss will be very happier trying to make that hookup.
0: Uh, uh, okay. There you go. We'll see what we can we'll see if we can make it happen. Uh mm-hmm. hey Louie, but just before we get to the uh here and now on uh what happened with the orders in Winnipeg, the Battle of Alberta tonight, we are going to go to this Day in Orders History. It is brought to you by Dennis and Jason Laliberti and the team at New West Travel. But today's the day in orders history is a audio version
2: in the center.
1: seemed like everything aligned for us in that series and you know three of the four games we won were in overtime and you know I really believe that a lot of those teams in the late 90s overachieved for what we had and against the teams that we played against and I mean Dallas was a team that was going on to win should have been a favorite to win the Stanley Cup and here we go out a bunch of young kids and upset them in game seven. Obviously,
0: Todd Marchant years later, uh, Louie, you were a member of that team. Unfortunately, as I recall, uh, you played the first six games of the series. You did not play Game 7, is that right?
2: Yeah, you know when I took one for the team, though. I will say that, and <laughs> uh, the, play- <laughs> the players they put in, actually, uh, Joe Halbig. Uh, played at Beliveau's first game in the NHL and had an assist in that game or a goal. I, I'm trying. Yeah. I'm having a hard time remember, but they had an impact. They actually scored a goal as a line with Steve Kelly. It was a big goal in a game in which Todd Marchand. Boy, did he ever sound young in that interview? Unbelievable, his voice even sounds young in that. And he was. He was a young kid then, but. Um, you know what? Incredible. That was a great upset. I was in the corner with the Zamboni comes off, watching that in the last period and into overtime, just taking in all the action, right in the heat of the battle, and the crowd was going wild. Curtis Joseph made some unbelievable saves in that game, and I got to see a couple of them from 25 feet away. It was just unbelievable, and probably saves that he shouldn't have made, to be honest with you, but somehow he found a way to make them, and a big part of that, but what a goal by Todd Marchand. I know that was a you know, just a, a huge moment in his career. Obviously, went on to win a Stanley Cup with the Anaheim Ducks in 2007, which would would, would trump that for sure and make that his his most favorable moment in the NHL. But um, I was happy for Todd, and that was a, that was a huge goal. And uh, it seemed like he was getting a breakaway a game back then when he first came into the league. His speed, he was it was unbelievable how many chances he had it in tight in the goaltender. And He went through a little stretch where he couldn't put it in the net, but he buried that one.
0: Uh, during the course last season, I'll mention the writer. It's Derek Van Deest, uh, was doing the Eye on the Oilers for the Edmonton Journal at the time. And I know because I was doing uh, the stats, and I'd see uh, Derek sometimes down at the U of A as well. And uh, I, I know that he made a comment about the uh, completion percentage on those breakaways for Todd Marchant and it just it was ironic and I don't know if people remember this but the Oilers trailed that game late in the second period like you got, uh, you guys scored Louis in like the final 30 seconds and it was Marchant across the Kovalenko on a two-on-one and then the save in overtime on Joe Newendike. Oh,
2: oh man oh, yeah man. that was the one that was the one that I just you know you just look at that again and you can watch as many times as you want and you go wow so close to finishing it off right there and a guy that you know pretty much his entire career was about scoring goals and putting the puck in the back of the net ex-lacrosse player took a punishment in front of the net to score goals new in tight around the goaltender was fantastic and cujo just beat him cujo just denied him in that situation and you know that's what it's all made about right that's what the history is all about you're going to look back and see situations where a post was hit a great save i mean um, listen there's still argument about the cup two the year before that uh, for the Tampa Bay Lightning where sorry the year after that um where what what year was I'm talking about I'm talking no, about it's 99 90, 2000 not, yeah 99 no, 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 well, two... Tampa Bay that was oh, that, that was oh
0: four and Dallas yeah. and Buffalo ninety nine. So
2: and, uh, yeah, so I'm getting them mixed up. But listen, Martin Jones, was the puck in, was it out? Sure. I mean, there's gonna be there's gonna be situations like that where you that you talk about for years and you still debate, and I'm sure there's a ton of Calgary fans that say that puck crossed the line. I'm sure Tampa Bay fans see it a little bit differently. But that's the beauty of the sport is it's not always cut and dry, it's not always clean. Some things happen for a reason, and sometimes you can't wrap your mind around it. But that was a remarkable Come back and win for our team, and I'll never forget that, even watching as a spectator in Game 7. I wish I was in, but you know what? I'm happy the team won for sure.
0: You guys were 23 points behind Dallas in the regular season. They won the Central that year. They finished like 10 points up on Detroit, who ultimately won their first Stanley Cup in 1997. People forget that, that that was Detroit's first cup for Allen you know, Crazy, eh?
2: And, you know, I'll tell you, um, what, re- what I remember about that was Ron Lowe. You know, and Ron Lowe and... And the brass and the coaching staff, Ron Lowe came in and addressed the team before we took off for game seven. Uh, and he said, Listen, pack a lot of stuff because we're going right to Colorado. You know, <laughs> just the way he said it, I just, I still remember the speech. It's one of those ones like, it was like, okay. And we all packed a lot of stuff. I have a picture of us packing up to go. Um, I'm on top of the bags and they're wheeling me down the, the tunnel. And, I'm, you know, we're going to win a game. We're going to move on to the Avalanche. Who were? You know, a really, really powerful team back. then. rating,
0: rating right. Stanley Cup champs. Yes.
2: Yeah. So, but you know what? We uh, we kind of had a mission, and you know what? Pulled it off. And you're right. That was a big upset, a huge upset.
0: You know, it's funny, Louis. People remember for for an entire generation that maybe missed on the '80s a bit. That's when they fell back in love, or fell in love with the Oilers for the first time. And people can text us at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three on the Ice State force text line.
2: They fell in love with the club, like during during that series. Yeah, thanks for bringing up another sore spot for me. Once getting scratched for a game seven, and the second one, the dark years I call them, <laughs> and unfortunately I was right in the middle of that. But yes, yeah, there was some dark years there for sure, and I know there's been some dark years that have followed past that. But that was the first real taste of dark years for Oilers fans, yep. who were, you know, who, you know, arguably saw the best team ever to ice. Uh, put up be put on the ice in, in the history of the game I mean some of those the players I mean they speak for themselves obviously the best player ever in Gretzky and just the the, the supporting group that was around him was incredible and then you know we came in and yeah we had a few off years for sure but uh, one thing I will say about the Oilers fans they've always uh, stood true and although they have opinions which I truly admire um, they always show up and they always cheer for their team
0: Well, the next year against 98 for me was more satisfying. Only watching Curtis Joseph out duel Patrick Waugh. You just, I used to watch. With Patrick, Patrick was a great goaltender, but he brought a lot of arrogance on the ice. And watching Cujo just stone—I know you were gone by then, Louis—but watching him stone him in those final three games against the Avalanche, and they had a hell of a team, like they had yeah. Forsberg and Sackick and oh. you know, you know, I mean, Olsen is the on to
2: Take a penalty against that team, kind of like the Edmonton Oilers right now. When people take a penalty against Edmonton, I know exactly what it feels like. Yep. If you're going to the penalty box for one of those players, and you're sitting in that box, and you're watching, going, "Oh no." I'm going to Trump's probably going to get – like Blake Wheeler last night. The yeah. first one he takes a penalty goes into the box they score when he took that double minor for high sticking after he had scored the goal to tie the game. I mean the look on his face at all. He just he just knew, you know, 4 minute power play with this uh, with this power play they can throw on the ice. Um, I'm surprised they only got one, to be honest. But he, uh, he knew going into the box, and that's a terrible feeling as a player when you take a penalty against a team like that and you understand that you have to play disciplined against a team. Um, that's what teams are going up against against Edmonton now and the teams that have terrific power plays. But the Colorado Avalanche back then, that was it. You took the penalty in a situation, a bad situation against that team, it was going to end up in the back of the net.
0: I remember game six here in Edmonton. Cujo shut out the uh, avalanche, and at the end of the game, Denmarsh worked over Ryan Smith pretty good, and Ronnie Lowe was livid. He was upset at the – he was – and you know Ronnie. Ronnie had oh, no yeah. problem – he'd have no problem scrapping Mark Crawford, right? Like, you, know, and, you and kidding my, me? He
2: would have scrapped the players. Right. Would, if you, and, you know, Ted Green was the same way, too, and God love him. You know what? He, he grabbed me so viciously a few times and chucked me over the boards, and I always respected him a ton because I <laughs> – knew that if he could if he could he would literally put the skates on and jump out there at 55 years old and scrap anybody on the ice at any time like it was no problem let's do this and when you're playing for a coach like that it's impossible not to respect him and listen teddy was really hard on me he may maybe the hardest of any coach ever on me but i had so much respect for him that i knew it was coming from a place where he was you know he was trying to get me to dig deep and do certain things but i always admired that passion that he had and that you know he just <laughs> tell you that was uh that was old school but we all knew it on the bench that if we ever needed someone to have our back he was a hundred percent going to be there and ron Low was no different
0: louis you're gonna chuckle uh before i got really fat uh in about 96 97 i started doing stats and uh, Ted had found out that I'd gone to high school with his son Chris, and I maybe got the better of Chris one time in a wrestling match. I got him in a fireman's hold and tossed him around. And I was probably about. <laughs> Chris
2: was uh, strong too. Chris was strong. Chris, yeah, yeah.
0: And I, I was about 205 pounds at the time. And I, you know, I just come back from working up north, was all tanned. And Ted goes, "You're the guy that threw my kid around." I go, "Wow, it wasn't exactly <laughs> like that." and He, he goes, and he looks right at me. He goes, "I'll kick your ass." And I was like, "Yep, I'm
1: pretty sure you will."
2: <laughs> Oh, there's this there's this stuff about our day and i've, I've yeah. told you this story before but i'll tell it again luke richard and i were in the gym doing olympic lifting we were doing some cleans some snatches and some squats and i think we had 185 on the bar and so a 45 pound plate 25 pound plate olympic bar and we were kind of spotting each other this is like late in the season so you're just doing reps and trying to get some explosiveness going he walked by us kind of looked back And he's in, he doesn't even have shoes on, okay? So he's got a T-shirt and track pants on. He comes back, grabs the bar. (laughs) And I mean, he doesn't do a clean, like a typical clean. He just kind of muscles it up to his chest. And then he proceeds to slowly, unbalanced, push this up over his head. No warm-up, no nothing. He had to be fifty-five at the time, I think, when he did it. And Luke and I were literally thinking he's gonna he's gonna destroy his shoulder, his back, he's gonna so we're spotting him underneath him. And I remember looking over at Luke Richardson and seeing the look on his face when Greedy's throwing this thing up over his head. But you know what? he willed himself to push that over his head, put it on the bars. And I just like, you know what? And listen, like for, for him at that time, he wasn't a heavy man. You know, he didn't have a lot of muscle, he no. was, just, but he was just sinewy and strong. And yeah, yeah. One of the greats and uh, you know, he, he, his mind just willed him to do a lot of things.
0: Yeah, and he was uh, even under – I mean, I know John Ferguson got the better of him one time. Uh, and Ted Green was, you know, terrible Ted Green. and He, he was one of Boston's – when the Boston Bruins were the big, bad Bruins, he was one of their guys. All right, switch, uh, switching focus. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers, they went two different ways in Winnipeg. The Oilers, Louie, are now 26-10-2. That's over a 38-game run. That's a seven ten winning percentage. Can we say they're a pretty good team right now? Or is that maybe getting ahead of ourselves?
2: yeah they're a pretty good team right now are you kidding me they're one of the better teams in the league over that course of time um so i mean listen they're putting together games you look at it in the last 16 they haven't lost two in a row and i think that's one of the the things that stands out for me the most um is that they find ways to rebound after losses there was one blip obviously against toronto that everybody knows about and i think they took that the right way they went back to work they readjusted some things went back to playing the way they needed to play and like we saw last night, closing out a tight game. That was, that was a game in which you knew that the Jets were going to try and push. They were going to come at Edmonton hard, and they, they found a way to control it, finish it off, and win a game, and that's that's huge going down the stretch and trying to find that mentality and game into the playoffs. So yeah, listen, there, there's, been, there's certainly been ups and downs, but they've been very small rises and, and, and dips. And that's the most important thing. And I, and I really do think it comes from the coaching staff. I think it's the philosophy that they put in place last year at the start of the year. And they built on that every single day and every single game they've played. When you listen to the players now, it's starting to come out of their mouths now too. So the coaches don't even have to reinforce that because it's the way the players are thinking. And, and that's what you like to see. You like to see a team thinking that way, acting that way, playing that way.
0: Louie, uh, Conor McDavid, 15 points in the last five games. It's just on another level, isn't
2: he? Yeah, it's incredible. It really is. It's You know, you, you wrap your mind around it and you think about it and you say, listen, he's he very well could get to 100, and I think it's very possible for him to do that. And, you know, David Staples sent out a tweet, I believe, that said he doesn't even have to overachieve right now. He just has to play at the pace that he's playing right now and he gets to, to 100 points. I, you know, for me... And sometimes I have to say, we we sometimes take it for granted because we see him every day. You see him every day and you just almost come to expect some of the things that he does. But when you really do dissect it and watch it in today's day and age, in this game, with how skilled the players are now and how close it is, it's incredible that he's separating himself the way that he is. And that's the biggest thing for me is that he just literally puts himself on a different level. And, you know, jack and i were talking about the other night and i said you know jack in the years that we've covered McDavid, we have pretty much watched every single game that he's played we've covered most of them you know i honestly don't know if i can count on one hand the nights that he took off so to speak and when i say take off he doesn't take nights off he just maybe doesn't have it he still creates the puck might bobble on him you know he gets checked really hard he has a tough physical matchup where they just wear him down a little bit but It's incredible the engine and the desire he has to continually push forward each and every day, and that's what makes him the best player in the game, in my opinion, is that that mental toughness just to say, I'm going to do this each and every night, um, is incredible. Now, he has the skill set, the speed, the drive to do all the stuff that he does on the ice, but to do it day in and day out is impressive. Ryan McLeod, two games, your thoughts. I've liked him a lot. You know what? I uh, It's funny. I compare him to Nugent Hopkins a little bit. You know, the way he skates, he kind of has the same stride. He's a little smoother. I, I know Nugent is a really, really smooth skater, but this guy might even float on the ice a little bit more. Like, Nugent has that stride when he skates. Like, it's almost like he's above the ice. And McLeod has the same type of stride. He's very light on his skates for a big guy. I thought he was more assertive in game number two. I thought we we showed a clip where he was really aggressive on Mark shifley He's using that physicality. He's a big guy. And I think as he as he goes along, he's gonna really learn to use that. But positionally sound, there was one shift where he was all over the ice in the defensive zone and his speed allowed him to get there, which I think is the biggest benefit that he has is that That skating ability allows him to get to positions, to be in the right positions, to take away time and space, to attack. It's only a matter of time. The thing for me that stands out, too, is his confidence with the puck on his stick. And a lot of times, young players, when they get into the game, it's like, you know, it's a hot potato. Get Get it off your stick right away. I don't want this puck. It's too much attention. There's guys barreling down on you. In traffic, in coverage, he's made some really tight little plays that you go, you know, that was a real smart little toe-drag move to get around a defender. Um, Has kept it simple. I'll I'll say that he's he's really managed that and kept it a simple game, but you have to be impressed with what you've seen in two games. Uh, I think there's a real upside there, I really do, and I think in a game that's the fastest it's ever been, you can never have too much speed in your lineup. I think he's been a great addition in there, and I think for his first two games – He's done exactly what they expected him to do, and it'll be interesting. You know, the Battle of Alberta is a little different, a little different pace and a little different of a setup, and I know it doesn't have the same type of, you know, reputation so to speak that it had back in the day but it still does it's still a big game it's your provincial rivals it's your arch rivals and i'm sure he's going to be a little bit more jacked up to play this game and and i'm looking forward to see how he does against it because the flames play a little more can play an aggressive game a physical game with daryl Sutter there i know he wants them to play a hard fast game this should be a good one tonight they're scrapping for their playoff lives um, what's left of that, did they still believe they can get in there? And they should believe that. And they have to play right to the bitter end to try and get in there. They're going to be motivated tonight. It's going to be a good one. And this will be a test for young Ryan McLeod to see how he steps up again in another battle with a division rival. Louis, we'll see you
0: in four hours. Thanks for your time. Sounds good. Take care, Bob. You bet. That is Louis Dabrask, and he is our Oilers Now headliner today for Wilhawk Beef Jerky. Do want to tell you, at this time that guests and Oilers Now receive certificates too. Roos Chris Steakhouse. Roos Chris is open for takeout and delivery through DoorDash. Maggie Taylor and Chef Elthoff will take care of you at Roos Chris. They're open Wednesday through Sunday from 5 p.m. until 10 p.m. at night. When we come back, NHL today for elite promotional marketing, as well as the Oilers Now injury report for James H. Brown injury lawyers. This is Oilers now. This is Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on Oilers Radio 630 Shed two minutes, and we're going to make it count. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1256 in Edmonton to NHL Today for our friends at Elite Promotional Marketing Company, Branded Apparel, Products and Awards, all created in-house, shop local, Edmonton-owned and
1: operated. Drew Shamahorn and his staff at ElitePromomarketing.com. Here's Brendan Escott. Uh, Nine other games around the NHL this evening, including Toronto hosting Vancouver, trying to keep separation from second-place Edmonton. Canucks 2017 second-round draft pick Cole Lind will make his NHL debut in that one. Matt Barzell fined $2,000 for embellishment. Jonathan Duran has taken a leave of absence from the Montreal Canadiens for personal reasons. And Ducks goaltender Ryan Miller will retire at the end of this season. Bakersfield Condors captain Brad Malone a hat-trick and an assist last night to propel them past Henderson 6-2 on home ice. Cooper Marody with a goal. Stuart Skinner, 33 of 35 saves, also found his way into the assist column. They'll draw San Jose on the road again on Monday. Central Division champion Edmonton Oil Kings are on the road against Calgary tomorrow night, Saturday in Red Deer. And then their season wraps up with a pair of games next week against Medicine Hat. Dylan Gunther, two more points, a goal and an assist and a 4-2 win for Team Canada at the U18 World Hockey Championship last night. They outshot the Latvians 52-27 but ran into a hot goaltender. Stop me if you've heard about a hot Latvian goaltender before. Gunther's four points have him tied for second behind Mason McTavish's tournament best five. They're off today, Bob, before a 7 p.m. date with Switzerland tomorrow.
0: All right, we go into the orders now. Injury report brought to you by James H. Brown Injury Lawyers. For every goal the order score this season, James H. Brown donates $100 to 630
1: Cheds, Santa's Anonymous. When accidents happen, go to jameshbrown.com. Here's Brendan. Tujar Karras still day to day awaiting doctor's clearance from that upper body injury. Cassian week to week with a lower body injury. Flames defenseman Noah Hannafin done for the year. He had shoulder surgery. Flyers goaltender Sherwood Park product Carter Hart done for the season. He's got a sprained left MCL. Suffered the injury on April 15th so he'll finish this year with a 3.67 goals against average and 877 save percentage in 27 games. Ovi will miss a third straight contest for the Capitals. He's got a lower body injury too.
0: I would uh trade for Carter Hart in New York second. I know he's had a tough year this year. Uh now, if somehow, some way uh, Sebastian Cosa is there when Edmonton's picking in the first round, I wouldn't do it. But uh and if the orders don't get Kosa, they should be taking a forward. But I would try to find a make, if if the flyers are dangling hard out there, and they're crazy if they do, but if they do, uh, if I'm Edmonton, I might want to be involved in that. All right, off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. When we come back for Canadian Power Pack, Alberta's leader in electrical construction and service, electrical prefabrication and solar, longtime NHL goaltender, now with the NHL Network, Kevin Weeks. This is Orders Now.